All right, I want to welcome everyone from our Mount Pleasant and Impact family, as well as the guests that are joining us today. What a great joy to gather together for worship, even if it's not uh, the format that we are used to or we prefer, prefer rather. Uh, I've got to say that as much as I miss the opportunity to see all of you in person each week, I'm blessed every single weekend by the sheer number of people who join us for worship. So thank you, all of you, for your ongoing faithfulness. And I, I want to share a special welcome to the kids that are joining us today. I know this is very different from your normal church experience, and I know that listening to me is not nearly as exciting as it is to be in Bibleopolis and be able to listen to your own Pastor Chris or to uh, Amanda or Grace or one of your leaders, but I want you to know that you are very important to me, and I've got something special for you today if you decide that you want to participate, kind of a visual aid. And so you've got a minute right now. If you want to get just get a single piece of white paper, like the kind of paper you would find in a copy machine, and then maybe a black marker. And if you can't find a black marker, then just find a black pen. If you've got uh, the time and you are interested, go ahead and do that and just hold that ready until a little bit later in our service. This weekend, we're beginning a brand new series called Blind Spots. A blind spot is basically a term we use to describe something that for various reasons we can't see. I can still remember taking driver's education in the summer of 1974. My driver's education teacher was my basketball coach, Coach Snyder. His name was Ray Snyder. We used to call him Daddy Ray because uh, we liked him. That was a term of endearment. But anyway, one of the first things that he talked to us about when we got in the car behind the wheel is how important it is to pay attention to your blind spots. And your blind spots when you're driving are those areas of the road you can't see either in your rear view mirror or your side view mirrors. And that means you can be driving down the road and decide to change lane lanes, but you can't always trust that there's not a vehicle in the lane that you want to turn into because there are parts of the road that we can't see even when we use our mirrors. I'm sure everyone who's had any amount of time or experience driving a car has had experience with that reality. Every car has blind spots. Let me give you another way to understand a blind spot and this is where we're going to use the paper and uh, the marker for just a moment. If you take a piece of paper, a uh, copy paper and a black marker and just make a, a dot in the circle of the page, or the center of the page rather, what you think of as the center, I'm going to do that right here. And then you go about six to eight inches to the right and you make a small plus sign, then you put yourself in a position to understand what a blind spot is. Because now that you've done that, and it should look something like this, and I'll turn sideways so you can see me. If you hold that white piece of paper out in front of you, I don't know, about 20 or 24 inches away from you, and you close your right eye, that's this eye for me, and focus on the plus sign with just your left eye, and then you start to bring the paper towards you, what you discover is that at some point, the black spot in the middle vanishes. You can't see it, and so that's the reality for me right now. I've got my right eye closed, I'm focusing on the plus sign with my left eye, and I can't see the black dot even though the paper is this close to my face. And the reason why is because we all have a blind spot in our eye in what's called our retina, which is a part of our eye. The black dot was still there, but we weren't able to see it because it was in our blind spot. Let me give you another way uh, to define a blind spot. Sometimes a blind spot is an area of our life like a fault or a flaw 
that we don't see and we don't recognize. And because we don't see it, because we don't recognize it, we don't deal with it and we don't ever take steps to correct it. And that can have negative impact, a negative impact on the quality of our lives. And so what we're going to do during this series called Blind Spots is we're going to focus on some areas in our life or some things in life rather that can have a negative effect on our lives. And we're going to begin with fear and anxiety, which I think is very relevant for the day that we're living in today. Let me give you two ways that fear and anxiety can be a blind spot in our lives. And if you're someone who likes to take notes, these two ways are basically the two points that I'm going to use in this message. And I'm going to just use selected scriptures to talk about them. So the first way that fear and anxiety can be a blind spot in our life is that they can keep us from experiencing the fullness of life. Fear and anxiety can keep us from experiencing the fullness of life. If you've got a Bible, I want you to go ahead and take it and turn to Exodus chapter 14. Exodus in the Old Testament chapter 14 and just hold that ready. Uh, John chapter 10 and verse 10 is a Bible verse that we've talked a lot about over the years. In that verse, Jesus says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. Now, the word that Jesus uses for full there in my NIV Bible uh, is the Greek word perisos. And the Greek word perisos literally translated means over and above or a higher level. And that's the life that Jesus wants for all of us. When it comes to life, Jesus wants all of us to experience more. In fact, if we were all together in the worship center right now, I would have everyone repeat after me and say more. Jesus wants to give us more. He wants us to experience a life that is more than anything we could discover or experience on our own. And one of the way the thief tries to destroy that. Remember, Jesus said in John chapter 10 and verse 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. One way the thief tries to destroy that life that Jesus wants for us, that better life, that bigger life, is through fear and anxiety. I mean, just think of all the different ways fear and anxiety can hold us back. I'm just going to make a list just using the word fear. Uh, there's the fear of rejection. There's the fear of failure, the fear of uncertainty. There's the fear of change, the fear of being judged, the fear of getting hurt, and you can go on and on and on. And all of these fears create great anxiety in our lives. And so we might be someone uh, who thinks that fear and anxiety is not a problem. Yeah, we recognize that as an issue for other people that we know, but it's not a problem for us. And so we might say something like this, you know, I don't deal with fear and anxiety. I'm just not a very adventurous person. Or I don't deal with fear and anxiety. I'm just a conservative person by nature. But the truth is, you've got a blind spot when it comes to fear and anxiety that keeps you from experiencing every part of that full life that Jesus offers. When my kids were little, <clears throat> Sandy and I took them to Disney World. Now, one of them, and I'm not going to mention which one it was, but one of them was afraid of roller coasters, which isn't surprising. That's probably a common thing for a lot of kids. Uh, but one day when we were there, I said, let's all go ride Splash Mountain. And immediately this one child of mine, and I'm not going to say who it was, immediately said, no, I don't want to. 
And I, I looked at the child and I said, well, you know, you're going to. In fact, we're all going to do it because, first of all, it's not nearly as frightening as you think it is. You're making it out to be more in your mind than it really is. And number two, I know and I promise you as your dad that when it's all said and done, you're going to enjoy it. Now, I don't want anybody at home to start judging me. Don't judge me. It'll come back on you. I'm telling you. It'll come back on you. Don't give me any grief the next time you see me. It's not like I told them they were going to have to go ride the Tower of Terror or something like that. If you've ever been to Disney World, you know Splash Mountain is a pretty tame ride. So we got in line. We had to stand in line for a while. And the entire time we were standing in line, that fear and that anxiety about this ride was growing and growing. And so at one point, I turned around and I said to this one child of mine, listen, I would never make you do something that would hurt you. I would never, ever put you in a position to experience any harm. You just need to trust me. I may or may not have added something like, so shut up about it, but I can't really remember. My memory's a little foggy about that part. Well, as soon as the ride was over, we got on the ride and we went through the ride. As soon as it was over, this one particular child of mine looked at me and, she, and, and, and said, that was great, let's do it again. And when we walked out of the ride, and you know you pass by that wall there where they've got the pictures, they captured the picture of your log as it's going down the final drop. Uh, the, the expression on that child of mine, I'm not going to say which one it was, was a big smile. And they really did enjoy it. And we ended up riding Splash Mountain several more times. Now listen, friends, I'm not in any way comparing riding Splash Mountain to the full life that Jesus promises. But the illustration of the point is clear. Fear and anxiety can keep us from experiencing things that can enrich and bless and make our lives better. Let me give you a biblical example that talks about that, and this takes us to Exodus chapter 14. I hope you've got your Bible open there. Let me just set the scene for a minute. God's people, the Israelites, have been living in slavery in Egypt for over 400 years, and now finally, after literally, after generation after generation of Israelites cried out to God for help to send a deliverer, God sends Moses to go to Pharaoh with this message, let my people go. Now, you probably know the story. Initially, Pharaoh says no, but after God flexes his muscle by sending, uh, his muscles rather, by sending 10 plagues on the land, including the final plague that took the life of the firstborn uh, Egyptian of every family, Pharaoh relented and released the Israelites from captivity. This is what Exodus chapter 12, verses 30 and 31 say. This, you just keep your Bible in Exodus 14. Just listen to these verses. This is after the final plague that resulted in the, the death of the firstborn, of every firstborn Egyptian. Pharaoh and all his officials and all the Egyptians got up during the night and there was loud wailing in Egypt for there was not a house without someone dead. During the night, Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron, remember that was Moses' brother, and said, up, leave my people, you and the Israelites, go worship the Lord as you have requested. And so what Moses did is he gathered up all the Israelites and he led them out of Egypt. He led them out of Egyptian bondage. Now, to make a long story short, what happened next is that Pharaoh has a change of heart and he takes an army of more than 600 chariots and he begins to pursue the Israelites and he catches them right at the Dead Sea. Now, if you grew up going to Sunday school or you ever watched the movie The Ten Commandments and you think Moses looks like Charlton Heston, then you know what happened next. God flexed his muscles again and parted the Red Sea, that, and, and that allowed the Moses and the Israelites to pass over to the other side on dry ground. But when the Egyptians entered to try to pursue them, the sea was closed up again, and all of them died. It's one of the most well-known stories in the Bible, one of the most dramatic moments in the Bible. 
In Exodus chapter 14, verses 13 and 14, Moses told the Israelites right before this happened, he said to them, do not be afraid, stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Now, that, again, was a tremendous story. What a dramatic, powerful story that was. But that's not the part of the story that I want to spend a few minutes talking about. I want to talk about what happened right before that when the Israelites turned around and saw the Egyptian army pursuing them. I want to talk about how they panicked at the sight of the Egyptian army behind them and the Red Sea in front of them. The bottom line is they were filled with fear and anxiety. And here's what we learn from their response. Fear and anxiety is a blueprint for failure. It's a blueprint for disaster. And in this case, it would be a blueprint for the failure to experience the blessing of God, the power of God, and the provision of God in our lives. Before we talk about that, though, think about something with me. The Israelites had just had a front row seat to the power of God that was demonstrated through the 10 plagues that God had sent on the land of Egypt. And those 10 plagues, the power of God demonstrated that way was so effective that it caused Pharaoh to release them from the bondage that they had been in for over 400 years. But the instant they saw Pharaoh and the army of chariots behind them, they forgot all about that because they were overcome with fear and anxiety. They were overcome by the fear and anxiety of what was going to happen next. And that response gives us some important lessons that we need to understand about the danger of fear and anxiety. I've got four of them down here, but I'm going to be real quick in talking about them. And this is where I want you to turn your attention with me to the scriptures. First of all, fear and anxiety creates doubt. That's the the first problem with fear and anxiety. It creates doubt. I want you to look with me at Exodus chapter 14 and the very first part of verse 11. This is what we read. They, that's the Israelites, they said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? The first thing that happened when fear and anxiety took over the Israelites is they began to doubt Moses, even in light of all they had seen Moses do, even in light of all they had experienced with Moses as their deliverer. But before we are too hard on the Israelites, let's understand that they're not alone in this because that's exactly what many of us do when fear and doubt come into our lives as well. The moment fear and doubt come into our lives, whatever the cause, we immediately forget everything that we know about God. We immediately forget everything we've ever experienced with God. And instead of faith, we're filled with nothing but doubt that stems from that fear and anxiety. The second thing that fear and doubt does, the second danger, is it turns us into victims. Fear and doubt turns us into victims. We're going to look back at verse 11 and start in the first part, but this time read through the entire verse and focus on the second part. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us into the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? When fear and anxiety come, all we begin to do is think about ourselves. They said, to Moses, what have you done to us? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? They were just focused on themselves. They looked at Moses with uh, the eye of a victim. What have you done to us, Moses? Why have you done this to us, Moses? When we're afraid and anxious, 
one of the things that we do is we look for someone or something to blame instead of recognizing our own lack of faith that keeps that fear and doubt at bay. The third problem with fear and doubt, the third thing fear and doubt does is it causes us to be stubborn. Look with me at Exodus 14 and verse 12, and again, we'll just focus on the first part. Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? That's the Israelites speaking to Moses. Now think about that with me for a moment. Basically, what they're saying is that even though for generations they've been praying for God to send them a deliverer, when God did send a deliverer named Moses, they looked at him with skepticism and they said to him basically, you know, just leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians. Well, here's what happens when we're filled with fear and anxiety. It causes us to resist anything new. It causes us to resist any change, anything that moves us out of our comfort zone. We say no to anything that's different than what we're used to. And the end result is we don't give ourselves a chance to experience more from God. We don't give ourselves a chance to experience the full life that Jesus promises. Finally, number four, this is the fourth thing that fear and anxiety do when it comes into our lives. It destroys our vision for the future. We're going to go back to verse 12, read the entire verse, but this time focus on the second part. Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? Well, here's the second part of the verse. They said, it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Fear and anxiety destroys our vision, any vision for the future, any vision for a new future, any vision for a better future, and it keeps us stuck right where we are sometimes forever. They said, rather than embrace the possibility of something new and better, we'll just stay right where we are because it's easier or it's more comfortable. Well, fortunately for the Israelites, uh, Moses didn't let their fear and anxiety uh, keep them from experiencing what God had for them. He trusted the power of God and he ultimately led them to safety and out of danger with regard to the Egyptians. You would think that that would be a powerful lesson that these people would hang on to for the rest of their lives. But if you're familiar with the story, you know that they didn't learn their lesson or with their story, you know they didn't learn their lesson. And when they ultimately traveled to what was going to be their new home, what the Bible calls the promised land, they let fear and anxiety take over their lives again. And as a result, they didn't enter into the promised land and they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years and an entire generation of them died wandering in the wilderness. I want you to listen to me close, and I'm going to repeat something I said earlier. You know, you might not think you have a problem with fear and doubt. You might be someone who says, you know what, I'm just conservative by nature. I'm not very adventurous. I'm just comfortable where I am or something like that. But when it comes to the better life, when it comes to the full life that God has for you, the full life that Jesus promises you, what you may have is a gigantic blind spot about the reality of fear and anxiety in your life. And my word to you is don't let that fear and anxiety, don't let the failure to recognize the reality of that fear and anxiety hold you back and keep you from everything God has for you. If Moses hadn't inter intervened with the Israelites, they would not have experienced the power and the provision of God in their lives. Don't let fear and anxiety keep you from experiencing the power and the provision of God in your life. Well, that's the first way that fear and anxiety can be a blind spot. 
The second way that fear and anxiety can be a blind spot is this. Fear and anxiety don't show up as long as we're in control. And so if you're taking notes, write that down. Second, they don't show up, or number two, they don't show up as long as we're in control. One of the things that fear and anxiety have in common is they're both rooted in an inability to control the things that are happening around us. And so when this global pandemic called the coronavirus showed up and took away our ability to be in control of our lives and our circumstances, a lot of people who may have never really experienced the reality of fear and anxiety in their life before, or who never thought it was a problem for them before, are now afraid and anxious. Before any of this happened, some of those people might have said, you know, fear and anxiety aren't a problem for me. But the truth is, that's only as long as they were in control or felt like they were in control of their lives. That's a blind spot. That's another way fear and anxiety shows up as a blind spot in our lives. And honestly, I could preach a whole uh, sermon on this truth. I think one of the good things that could come from the reality of this global pandemic is the reminder that none of us are really in complete control of our lives. One of the fundamental teachings of the Bible is what we call the sovereignty of God. What does that mean? Well, the sovereignty of God is just a way to describe the reality that God is in complete control at all times of all things. That's something the Bible teaches us over and over again all throughout uh, the Bible from cover to cover, really. One simple verse to describe that would be Psalm 115 and verse 3 that simply says, our God is in heaven. He does whatever pleases him. Why? Because he's a sovereign God, which means he's in control. Now, the discussion and the debate that consumes a lot of people related to the sovereignty of God is usually, well, how does God exercise his sovereignty? Or are there areas where God chooses not to exercise his sovereignty and his control and things like that. I'm not even gonna try to answer those questions today because honestly, I don't think I could give you a good answer to those questions. I'm not sure anyone can give you a really good or a perfect answer to those questions, at least not this side of heaven. And so what I'm gonna say is this, while God certainly gives us a lot of freedom in this world, when it comes to the course of our lives, we need to understand that he is the one, not us, that he is the one that's in control. Listen to Proverbs 16 and verse 9. The proverb writer says, In his heart a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his step. We can plan the way we want to go, but God is the one who ultimately determines the way we go. How about these words from the New Testament book of James? This is James 4, verses 13 through 15. James says, now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this city or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why do you, ev why? you do not even know what will happen tomorrow? What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. See, here's the bottom line. You and me, we're not the ones in control. We're never in control of our lives, not in complete control. We can plan things. We can, we can exercise the freedom that God gives us and, and try to set the course of our lives, but our lives can change in a heartbeat, and there's not a single thing that we can do about that. And this is because of the sovereignty of God. 
the complete control of God. Now, again, you can argue and debate the details of his control, his sovereignty until you're blue in the face, but this is the reality of life. God is the one who's in control. And our lives, again, can be disrupted just like that in a heartbeat. Isn't that the reality of what we're experiencing today? And this, this disruption that has come into all of our lives, not just into all of our lives, but that has come into the world, brings with it a lot of fear and a lot of anxiety. And that probably surprises a lot of people who thought, you know, that's not an issue with me. I'm not ever afraid and I'm not ever anxious. And that's because you've been living with a blind spot. And so we need to understand that fear and anxiety is a very real issue on some level for all of us. Even if prior to this, we've been, have, we've been living with the reality of a blind spot and we didn't think it was a problem. And so the question then becomes, and we'll begin to close, what are we gonna do about this blind spot? Let me just give you some simple ways to respond to this message about fear and anxiety. Let me give you some simple uh, ways to respond to the reality of fear and anxiety that I know all of us can follow. And it would probably be good to write these down. I just got, I've just got three of them. The first thing we can do, the first way we can respond to fear and anxiety in our lives is we just need to be honest. That's where it begins. You know, if you're struggling with the reality of fear and anxiety, be honest about that because honestly, that's the only way to defeat it, by acknowledging it. Uh, especially if it's something that you didn't think you had a problem with and that you never really dealt with or felt like you dealt with before. Uh, I'm sure all of us are familiar with the Old Testament story of Jonah and how uh, one day God tapped Jonah on the shoulder and said, I want you to go to a place called Nineveh and I want you to preach a message of righteousness and a message of repentance because the people of Nineveh are so wicked and I've run out of patience with them and I'm going to destroy the city. But Jonah, because of fear and anxiety, he disobeyed God. And rather than go to Nineveh, he got on a ship and went the exact opposite way. But if you're familiar with the story, you know in the end that God still got Jonah to do what God needed Jonah to do. And Jonah learned that you can't run and hide from what God wants you to do. You can't run and hide from the moments of life where God wants to build your faith. That's why trials and tests come into our lives. And so if you're dealing with fear and anxiety, the very first thing you have to do is you have to be honest about it. I'm sure many of you are aware of the fact that I'm doing a Facebook Live devotion every morning. And I did that this morning and um, I shared from Psalm 4. And one of the things that I shared with the folks that were listening is the truth that, you know, honestly, I have been feeling some anxiety in my life recently to the point where I've had some difficulty sleeping the last few nights. Uh, I don't, I'm not feeling anxious about myself uh, or even Sandy and the kids so much as I just have felt some anxiety about uh, what the future is gonna look like for our church, how long we're gonna be in this position of uh, only being able to worship online, um, and how we can best be prepared when the opportunity comes for us to start moving back to a sense of normalcy. I've had some anxiety about continuing to take care of all of our staff and all of our mission and ministry partners that are local and global and, and just related to that. Uh, and 
I was reading through uh, Psalm 4 about that, and I, I appreciated uh, the way David in that psalm was just really honest about the way he was feeling in that moment of his life. And it just reminded me that the best thing we can do about fear and anxiety or any struggle that we're having emotionally in our lives is, first of all, just be honest about it. I don't feel like it makes me a second-class citizen or it makes me any less deserving to be the pastor of this church by being willing to say, listen, I've been struggling with anxiety lately because admitting that is the first step to dealing with it. And so, number one, if fearing anxiety is a part of your life, just be honest. Write this down next to number two. The second thing I've got written down is that you should confess it. You should confess it. Uh, Let me ask you a question. Do you think fear and anxiety come from faith? I think the obvious answer to that question is no. Well, having said that, listen to the last part of what Paul writes in Romans chapter 14 and verse 23. He says, And everything that does not come from faith is sin. Now, I've told you before, and I'll reiterate it here, that context is everything when it comes to properly understanding the Bible. And those words, uh, and everything that does not come from faith is sin, in Romans chapter 14 are written in the context of Paul talking about the reality of uh, that some people are, are, are stronger and some people are weaker when it comes to matters of faith and that we should never uh, cause uh, another brother to stumble. But the principle that he shares there can be found throughout the Bible. The principle that everything that does not come from faith is sin can be found throughout the Bible. I mentioned Jonah a moment ago. God wanted him to go to Nineveh, and what I said and what you already know is that what he, he did just the opposite. He got in a boat and he went the other direction because of his fear and anxiety. Now, here's the question. Did Jonah sin by doing that? Well, I think the answer is yes, absolutely. He openly disobeyed God through a lack of faith, and he committed a sin because what he did was not from faith. It was from fear and anxiety. And here's the deal. When fear and anxiety take control of your life, listen to what I'm saying. When fear and anxiety take control of your life, not when it comes into your life, but when it takes control of your life, then you begin to live in disobedience because allowing fear and anxiety to control your life does not come from faith. All throughout the Bible, literally from cover to cover, God says the same thing over and over again. He says, fear not or do not be afraid. And those words are always written in the imperative tense, which means they are written as commands. And so when we let fear and anxiety take control of our life, one of the things that we need to do beyond being honest about it is we need to confess it for what it is, the sin that it is, and seek forgiveness and help from God. And so number one, when fear and anxiety come into our lives, the first thing to do is be honest. The second thing to do is confess it. Here's the third thing to do. Just get close to God. Make it your everyday goal to get close to God. James chapter 4 and verse 8 says, Come near to God, and He will come near to you. And there are a lot of ways that we can get close to God, friends, but one of the best ways to do that is to fill our minds with the Word of God. That makes us close to God. And since I'm out of time Uh, And there are a lot of different verses I could cite uh, that would be helpful, especially related to fear and anxiety. I'm just going to choose one. And so write this down in your notes somewhere. It's Isaiah 41 and verse 10. Isaiah 41, 10, and this is what it says. This is a great one for us, a verse for us to hang on to. It's a great way to draw close to God, to get close to God by putting his word in our heart and our mind all the time. Isaiah says, so do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed. Do not be anxious. Dismayed, anxious. 
for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. What a great verse. Let me read it again. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, anxious, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Now listen, do you have a blind spot about fear and anxiety? Do you? Is, is fear and anxiety what's kept you from experiencing the power and provision of God in your life? Is fear and anxiety what's kept you from experiencing a bigger life, a better life, a more full life, the one that Jesus promises? All along you've been saying, oh, it's just I'm conservative or I'm not very adventurous or I like to take my time. But is it fear and anxiety? Are you experiencing fear and anxiety in your life right now because for the first time in a long time, maybe the first time forever, you don't feel like you're in control of your life? That's not what God wants for you. He doesn't want fear and anxiety to be the reality of your life. He has a better life for you than what you can find when your life is filled with fear and anxiety. And so trust this truth. Put yourself in a position to embrace a better life. Put yourself in the position to experience a life that is over and above and higher than anything you could ever experience on your own. I promise you won't regret that. I want you to pray with me. Father in heaven, thank you so much for this time to spend in your word. And I know that right now, fear and anxiety is a reality for all of us, at least on some level. And I want to pray specifically that you would work in our lives to conquer that fear and that anxiety through faith and through trust and through remembering your goodness and how you've always provided for us in the past. Help us to remember that because you've shown up and provided for us in the past and led us in the past, that there's no reason for us to believe that you won't continue to do that today and tomorrow. And so help us to be honest, help us to confess the reality of that sin that fear and anxiety can become when it takes control of our lives and help us to do everything we can to get close to you. And I want to pray a special prayer for people who who feel like, you know, fear and anxiety is not a problem for me, but in reality, it's just a blind spot in their life that may be revealed by this current crisis. I pray that you would especially speak to their heart and guide and direct them. We love you, Lord. We thank you for loving us. I pray your blessing on this series that we begin this weekend and will continue in the weeks to come. And I pray, Father, that we would all make it our goal every day to do what we need to do to put ourselves in the position to experience that better life, that full life, that over and above anything we could find on our own life that Jesus promises. And I pray all this in his name.